Good day, everyone, and welcome to the September Talk with Tom conference call. I'm your host, Aaron Wilker, and I'm asking the questions that you have submitted to my coach, my mentor, and my friend, Tom Hart. Good day, Tom, and how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you, Aaron? I am excellent, thank you. And so here we are almost to the end of the month of September, and how was the rest of your August and month of September so far, Tom? Well, it's been, as summer should be, kind of a um, uh, laid-back time, a couple of uh, workshops, uh, some coaching, uh, uh, as as usual. Um, you know, it's that time of year where school is gearing up for people and their focus changed from the summer activities to um, fall and, and obviously end-of-year kinds of things. We had a workshop in Denver entitled Relax, Reflect, Reframe, and Reignite. It's a um, workshop that is held with uh, yoga, intermittent with talks, quite popular. Uh, I'll do a 40-minute talk, and we'll have 20 minutes of yoga, 40 minutes of talk, etc. And um, it's a six-hour Saturday morning workshop. Uh, we have great participation. Obviously, the physical activity uh, piece of it is quite popular. Uh, but more importantly, as we get into this centering place and walk through these four modules, uh, relax is kind of a um, introductory module that helps the participants kind of get centered on the the workshop, relax from their week, their life, etc. Uh, reflect is a exercise of of kind of looking at their life and uh, making assessments as to where things are. And, relative to where they want them to be. Um, reframe is taking certain events that may have uh, occurred in their life and reframing them in a way that serves them in a positive nature. And then Reignite is a module that kind of sends them out the door with this uh, excitement and enthusiasm around creating the life they want. Uh, intermittent with with yoga really anchors it into their uh, being this so that it's a, um, a great way to spend a Saturday morning. Uh, we did it in collaboration with Kindness Yoga Center in Denver, Colorado, and as typical, every third weekend of the month, um, I find myself there uh, with them or the Thrive Center hosting a workshop of mine, and um, uh, that was uh, the third weekend of August, so that would have been the 17th that we did that event, and um, I, like everyone else, was kind of, you know, gearing down the summer and looking forward to the fall and um, upcoming workshops to come. Very good. It sounds like, to me, that the relax, reflect, reframe, and reignite uh, would entail not only some yoga, but quite a bit of meditation for the participants as well, which... It's really a good thing as well, you know, to exercise the mind and relax the mind a little bit. It absolutely did. And, in fact, uh, let me touch on that a bit because the yogi that I am uh, collaborating with on this particular workshop uh, is a gentleman by the name of Ken Sanavistian. And Ken and his partner went to India this past spring and um, spent a month there in an ashram which allowed them kind of firsthand experience of the uh, lifestyle, I will say, of yoga as opposed to the practice of yoga. Uh, one of the takeaways that he described to me and then our uh, workshop participants was that in the U.S., in the Western culture, yoga is looked at as this physical activity, this exercise activity, if you will, that takes place at a certain period of time in your week or in your day that allows you to get centered on who you are and your authentic self and a meditation practice is part of it, uh, usually at the beginning and at the end of your yoga practice. Um, what he experienced in India, which was obviously its uh, genesis, was that to them in their culture, Yoga is a lifestyle, it's a constancy in your life, and that a meditative practice is a 
uh, a means of prayer throughout the day to really keep yourself centered on who you are and the meaning of your purpose, your life on earth, and that there's a very intensive kind of approach to the yoga piece of it as more of a lifestyle choice. And I'll give you an example. He said, um, in the lifestyle of yoga, you are aware of every word you speak because words and thoughts are so powerful. And that as you're thinking about what you are to say, there is a discernment as to whether it's adding value to the earth or to the energy of your environment. And therefore, there is this kind of a positive energy flow coming out of the individual that feeds or or benefits those other individuals around him or her and the environment as a whole. And so yoga is not something that you compartmentalize and do as a, uh, a form of exercise at a particular time, but it's more of how you live your life and how you speak and think your life into being. And it was a, a, a very um, mindful uh, reminder to us that were uh, hearing Ken and some of his uh, stories that he related from the, the month in the ashram to realize that hey, we are powerful beings in not only creating our own life through our thoughts and actions, but how we influence those around us by those same thoughts and actions. And isn't that uh, a very uh, empowering a way to look at how one lives one's life that allows us to then create change if that is what we desire because what we are experiencing today is the sum result of all the thought and actions that we've taken up to this point. So it was a great um, reminder that, you know, uh, many of the principles that we talk about here on the uh, podcast are those things that are... Um, ways of being that aren't to be compartmentalized. They are to be um, kind of in our everyday beingness and how we think and, and speak and, and therefore those uh, positive influences on others that would then circle back to us and build momentum around it. So um, Ken is my collaborator on that particular workshop. Uh, we've given that workshop numerous times and Every participant leaves kind of uh, on cloud nine, if you will, floating out of there because they've kind of reframed a lot of past events that have been negative in their life, and they've let them go and reframed their their um, uh, nature into their beingness, the, the nature of those events. And then they have obviously been realigned with true self, and, and that gives them that ability to then carry that into their everyday life, and if they maintain their meditation and yoga practice, Excellent. it uh, perpetuates. Excellent. And that is a great place and way for me to segue into today's topic that I'd like to talk about. And this question is coming from myself for you, Tom. Um, and I think there's some value here. With school starting and um, restructuring my wife's benefits package for uh, family insurance and things that are going on, uh, one son in college, in his second year of college, uh, second son in his senior year of high school getting ready to go off to college, um, and a daughter who is just starting high school, looking at the finances and seeing, you know, how if my income was to remain the same today, there is going to be a struggle next year to support my two boys in college and to support my family and really not have a whole lot there for a safety net. We're going to start dipping into the safety net. And as I think about this, you know, the negative thoughts coming in, 
I try to get rid of that, bring in a positive thought of don't worry, the money will be there. You just need to work on this, this, and this. Um, but on every situation, and it doesn't just have to be financial. It could be personal or whatever. You know, hey, I want to lose this much weight, and then I lose that much weight, and then it shoots back up, and, oh, you'll never lose that weight. It's impossible. You're not going to do that. How does a person overcome that negative interlude into their subconsciousness as they try to keep positive about life and things that are happening around them? Excellent question. Um, I have a number of thoughts around it, and I hope to... uh, touch on the breadth of it. Um, First, let me acknowledge that that is a universal concern. You're not alone. Um, I hear this a lot in my coaching um, practice. Uh, Most of my workshop curriculums include a module that may uh, touch on this, if not delve deep into it, because it is such an essential piece of achieving and creating the life you want. That is the the thought that, that that is your mind and its influence over your your actions, your enthusiasm, uh your your results obviously. Um a couple of things to touch on right out of the blocks on it and then we'll drill down to more detail about it. Um At a superficial level, I think anyone that's listening to this call has already acknowledged the fundamental principle that thoughts are things. Those thoughts are powerful things. And so some of the dynamics that is going on in your subconscious that are influencing these um, results as a result of your thoughts can be powerful both either positively or negatively. Well, we definitely want to make them a positive result. Therefore, we want to influence, control, uh, diminish the negative thoughts and and, and increase the positive thoughts. The principle behind that is that your subconscious is a derivative of your true self deep in you, which is a divine perspective on the world. And your divine perspective on the world is one that is an abundancy that wants to give, provide, allow a um, uh, an answer to your focus. And if you focus on what you want, you will have delivered to you by means of a process that I'll talk about in a second that wants to deliver that that you think about. Well, the opposite occurs when you want to uh, focus on that that is negative is that your subconscious can't discern the difference and it'll bring you that as well. That's why as as you're putting together goals, you want to be very specific about what the goal is, what form that it takes, what a picture you have of it, what um, means by which you can um, uh, affirm it, uh, visualizations, affirmations, etc., in a very positive way because your subconscious will say yes. So if you say, I don't want this, it'll say yes to this, and it won't hear the don't want. So what you need to do is say, I want this, and have it be a focus on the positive. Now, that's uh, a pretty broad brush, so I said I would drill down. Um Given that thoughts are things and that your subconscious can't discern between a positive or a negative um, wording of what you desire or what you're focusing on, you then must become the manager of those thoughts. And by the you, I mean you as the conscious you because the subconscious you is hearing but not discerning the conscious you has to be the one to deliver the message correctly. Now, by that I mean that there will be an effort at first. It will appear to be work that you are 
shifting or altering your thought patterns in such a way that diminish the negative and increase the positive. Uh, there are some practices that you can do that will help you uh, expedite that transformation. Uh, one kind of cheesy way is to put a rubber band on your wrist and snap it every time you say a negative thought or or think a negative thought or say a negative uh, uh, thing because you want to start to program yourself to get away from this habit, this this laziness of saying things that just are not uh, serving you, benefiting you. Uh, we all do it. And the more that you are conscious about what it is that is being said and the volume of it that you're that you're putting out there in either thought or word will help diminish that. And then, of course, the shift needs to take place to where it's replaced with something positive. So as you're having the thought, just recognize it as if you would be an observer, kind of this third party, hearing it come up and acknowledge that it's there, and then just let it go. You don't want to resist it. You know, if you and I are pushing our hands together and our pushing against one another is what's persisting the resistance, then the only way the resistance will end is if one of us pulls back the hand. And so we ourselves individually have to be the responsible parties that pull back that resistance that needs to take place in order for it to be let go. So if you resist the negative thought, if you give it the energy of, oh, God, there's that negative thought again, I've got to stop doing that, all that's going to do is persist it, actually. And your way of persisting it, I mean, the way of, of letting it go and not having it persist is to actually acknowledge it. Um, the monkey mind, which is what I call this negative self-talk, the monkey mind is going to come up with a worst-case scenario every time it's active. Your monkey mind is like your ego trying to protect you, trying to give you scenarios that would be means by which you would flight as opposed to fight because of our natural fight-or-flight reflexes in order to protect itself. There are times where it would exercise its fight uh, influence and for the same purpose, just to protect you. So what you want to do in today's modern world, we don't have the need for fight or flight as much as used to be, and our reptilian brain is still in the used to be stage. Uh, so what you what you need to do is just kind of acknowledge that it's there. Oh, that's monkey mind talking, or that's a negative thought. But I I want to reframe that negative thought into a positive thought. I'm going to start by just having that positive thought be a um, conscious effort. Okay. The aspect of the, neg the the power of the negative thought is that your subconscious cannot make the distinction. So as you're looking at a particular thought, a particular uh, action that you want to take, a result that you want to have, you want to you want to frame it in the positive. The way that you do that would be to look at that negative thought as a third-party observer and say. Thank you for sharing, and then switch it or reframe it in a way that is a positive thought to replace it. Then you want to reinforce those positive thoughts by repetition. That's all. Anytime a negative thought comes up, just replace it with the positive thought, and then you'll build momentum. You'll build an energy starting an energy flow that'll start showing you that the results of the positive thought are self-perpetuating, just like the result of the negative thought would have been. So why not choose positive? Why not choose the outcome to be in this positive means? Why not choose the outcome to be energetically very positive, very appealing, very feeding of your uh, senses, your beingness? And, 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 you know, from a practical sense, I'll, I'll describe how to get there. But this is this is what's going on. These are the dynamics. What I'm describing are the dynamics of what's happening as you have that negative thought. Um, just to summarize, know that thoughts are things. Those thoughts are going to be manifest in some way of, of, of action. And in that action, you want to have it be a focus on the positive. 
You want the thought to be a positive thought, and you want to build momentum around those positive thoughts so that it becomes then kind of action-oriented. Your subconscious monkey mind starts to diminish. Your consciousness of self, true self, of alignment with um, what you want starts to replace that negativity, and then you build momentum around the results. And like a muscle, as it gets exercised, it starts to build, and you build strength around it. Any questions on that before I go on to a practical application of it? No, but and and I don't want to spin you off, but it it is interesting um, listening to a radio program the other day as I was driving home, and the guest on the show, I, I wish I'd written the book down. I think it's called The Yes Formula or something to that extent. And the person was talking how if you repeat the word yes, the laws of attraction have much more effect on coming into your life. You you smile more. You become more positive. So as I exercise, rather than going one, 1,000 or something, you know, as I'm counting off, I go one yes, and I repeat that yes now. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Um, Laurel Langmire is an author that has just released a book entitled Yes Energy. Perhaps it was that person that was in your radio interview you heard. That sounds right. Okay. What what Laurel is advocating is that um, our mind is going to fill the empty space with something. It can't help itself. And, in fact, a true meditative practice is one that can really sit and be pensive, contemplative, and empty, so to speak, in its mind thoughts. And so as we are preparing to meditate and then into the early stages, the early minutes of meditation, uh, our mind is all a chatter and our, our job is just to calm it and to quiet it and then eventually just kind of hear the thoughts come and go. Since it's going to fill that empty space with something, fill it with yes, fill it with affirmation, fill it with something that allows that energy to build, and that's in fact what her whole concept is behind it, is that that word yes can be energizing, and you're feeling that energy as you chose to say that word in your filling of that empty space in between. Very good. Okay, excellent. So now drilling down onto more of what you were just talking about. Yeah, the practical piece of it is this. Um, Rule number one, don't beat yourself up when it happens because it's going to be human nature, and let's call it your nature, in the meantime, until it becomes more of a lifestyle choice. Uh, a lifestyle habit, I should say, because right now your negative thought is just a habit. It's just something that is going on inside you that is a practice that you have done that has um, brought itself out time and time again, and it's just doing it all over again. Um, It's just, again, like I said, a protection mechanism. Your monkey is saying to you, listen, if this keeps up, I cannot imagine any scenario by which you're going to be able to afford two kids in college at the present rate of income or expenses. And those expenses are going to increase because they're in college. You're going to have books. You're going to have tuition. You're going to have room and board. It starts to get this cyclical kind of of momentum in a negative way. And what you want to do is put the brakes on that and then just kind of reverse it into a positive energy, a positive cycle. Here's the dynamics of it. If you think it, then it's possible. But it's also possible that it won't happen, and you're just thinking it. So, yeah, it's possible that two kids in college might be a bit much to handle, financially, but it's also possible that two kids in college is very possible to handle financially. The more likely 
scenario will base, be based on what your actions are that you take that will define the outcome. Your thoughts are not going to define the outcome unless you act on them. And if you act on it by freezing up and going, oh, my gosh, I don't know how I'm going to do this, and then you don't take any action for more income or lowering expenses or scholarships or grants or uh, community college versus university or other cost savings measures or income producing measures, which would be my preference, well, let's just increase the income. Now, how do we do that? Well, we do that by the same way we have our monkey mind protecting our income. Well, we think about what those ideas might be that would bring more income. Um, Out of those thoughts are going to come many options, a lot of alternatives, some ideas that might be the best way to to, uh, resolve the quote-unquote challenge of this gap in income versus expenses. Um, it's real. It's, again, nothing personal. Everybody that has kids in college has the concern. Uh, even those that have set aside, quote-unquote, the college fund uh, are probably at 40 to 50% of what that value was when the kids were maybe 10, and that 50% cut took place just in the last couple, three years. And so they thought it was all set timing-wise for the kid to go into college. But lo and behold, the economy uh, comes along that, that takes that value away from them. They, too, are met with the challenge of how do I make this happen? Do I um, cut expenses? Do I increase income? Obviously, the best plan is to do both. But but these are all thoughts inside of you. And as I've said before, you have the answer that is your answer inside of you already. Do you need to settle yourself, acknowledge that monkey mind scenario as a third-party observer, say thank you for sharing, and then get to work on ideas on how to shift that so that it it takes on a positive frame. For instance, thank you, monkey, for sharing the scenario of the negative outcome with two kids in college and current income. I'm now going to shift my thinking to resolution. How might I solve that challenge? What might I do so that that doesn't occur? How can I increase my income? And then just sit and listen, because million-dollar ideas will come to you, some of which you'll act on, some of which will bring more income, some of which will increase the cash flow that you presently have, some of which will show you means by which you can cut expenses or apply for scholarships, et cetera, that I mentioned earlier as far as the added uh, uh, college expenses. As you hear those thoughts, you want to write them down because those are your ideas for solving the challenge. And those ideas are bank, so to speak, literally, because they are telling you how you can avoid that problem and solve it in a way that will work for you. It'll give you ideas for you, not somebody else's idea, what the idea would be that you need in order for you to do it, to start an online business, to increase your your marketing and, and, and sales of your existing product, to uh, ask for a raise, to um, step up to a, uh, a, a new responsibility within your corporate job, to... Um, become an entrepreneur on the side that allows you a second or third stream of income, um, all of which are feasible and all of which take strategy thinking, not impulsive, okay, that's how I'm going to pay for college. No, it's got to be strategic. What's number one? What's number two? What's number three? You know, put together an action plan. But it starts with the idea. It starts with the thought that is a shift from that negative scenario to a positive scenario. I have two kids in college. They're both maintaining a 3.0 GPA or greater. They are um, doing work study within the, the college community that allows them to offset their expenses by X and learn a skill that will serve them in life. They have applied for grants that are available through many means in the community and in government. 
They have student loans that are paying for X amount of dollars of their tuition and room and board and fees, books, etc. And I am able to uh, balance the, the difference within my means of new income by by way of you know fill in the blank. Uh, that thinking begins to then shift you to a solving of the problem rather than dwelling on the problem. And that those solutions are what you need to build momentum to then start to uh, see the results of your actions in that way. Rather than spiral down, you're spiraling up. You're building momentum. You're getting traction. Your enthusiasm is going to grow because you have these different things come into play that are starting to shift that scenario from, oh, my gosh, that's very probable to happening, to, no, no, I'm, I'm fine. I've got this in place and that in place, and I'm working toward this and toward that. And my my son's a senior, and he's starting to look at colleges. So uh, where he goes and 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 what application uh, results we have, and and what means of offsetting uh, tuition, book fees, room and board uh, might be, we're starting to be um, informed about. And so the uncertainty of not knowing is starting to become a knowing. And out of that knowing, we're getting answers, and out of that answers, we're getting traction, and from that traction, we're getting positive feeling about where this is going to go and how it's going to be positive for all of us, including you, me, if I were the parent, um, and, and how I'm going to increase my income to pay for it, how I'm going to um, you know, bring on the positive result rather than the, the, the possibility that would have been this negative uh, monkey mind uh, scenario. Okay. How about if there are outside influences, be it family members or whatever, that are helping reinforce that negative? How do we how do we squash their input? Then, and I think this is a final piece of this information. Yeah, in fact, I'm going to broaden the, uh, the 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 canvas to be beyond the specificity of you know I've got two kids going into college, and I I'm I'm seeking solutions to increase my income, and I'm getting resistance from family members as to how to do that or that that's even possible, and the reason I'm going to broaden it is because that result that 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 pushback is very common in many scenarios. So I'm going to give different scenarios where it's going to occur. It's going to occur when you're uh, looking for all those solutions that I just named earlier. When you're looking to get the raise, to start a business, to uh, increase to a second um, uh, stream of income, to ask, ask for a new job responsibility, to start the grant and scholarship applications, to whatever, fill in the blank. You're always going to have people around you that are the naysayers that are going to want to maintain the status quo because they're just on automatic tape playing. It's not anything more than that to them. They've, they've lived a lifetime of doing that. So it doesn't matter what the, the change is. They're just going to be reluctant to have that change. They're going to give it pushback. They're going to say it's not possible. They're going to be those naysayers. There's a book by Bruce Wilkinson entitled The Dream Giver. And in The Dream Giver, uh, it's a parable that talks of of a um, general, you know, the 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 the, the first-hand character that lives in a land of familiar, and that's that's the name of the town, and and he wants to pursue his dream, which is, you know, outside of town limits, over the next mountain, down the next valley, and into the you know land of the of milk and honey, let's call it. The idea is that when he gets to the edge of town. There's a bridge he has to cross, and at that bridge, on the town side of that bridge, are these naysayers that are coincidentally, but not so coincidentally, because this is typically how it works out in life, family members, people that know and love you. And you would think, why don't they just give me the support that I want in order to um, get the drive and the ambition and the enthusiasm around taking on this, you know, this mountain of a challenge of doing whatever the change is, you know, adding new income, changing jobs, starting a business, etc. But 
lo and behold, typically it is those that are closest to us. And the reason that occurs is because if you change, it changes their world. So it's their monkey mind protecting them from change that is really yours that would cause indirectly to change their world. And so their monkey is already putting them on alert, and their way of influencing you is this negative thought of, oh, don't do that, or you know, this automatic tape playing that I mentioned. Given that it's typically family and friends and those that are closest to you. And occasionally you'll have, you know, somebody that gets it and and wants to just encourage you. Um but generally it's it's an outsider, it's a third party, it's not a close in uh confidant unless it's you know part of your mastermind group or part of your, your coaching team. And so when that occurs, just know, hey, I'm on track. This is a good sign because change is coming and they're recognizing it. They're feeling it. They're seeing it. They're intuitive about it because they know that's where I'm heading. I am going to do that. And they're seeing the threat of that in their monkey mind. And you can't influence their subconscious. All you can do is put up your own little you know, armor, so to speak, against it, but in a very nurturing, caring, kind of protective way of self, but then also respecting where they're coming from. And just do it in a finesse that says, hey, I'm, I've got to do what I need to do, and I would love your support to do so. Uh, the fact that you can't do that right now is yours, but I'm not making it mine. And and I know that these are the things that will solve it. Now, granted, you know, with a spouse or with a... Um, uh, a, a close friend that is part of that decision, you're going to want to sell them, quote unquote, a little bit more on uh, on why it's possible or where you get your enthusiasm around the the possibilities that do exist for the solution to this, and and so you have to make that effort to um, have them take ownership of the plan. But if they don't, don't let it stop you because you've already asked yourself, with a capital S, you've already asked yourself, how can I solve this challenge? And your answer has come to you by, by way of these thoughts that are these ideas for the solution. And then you need to put that into an action plan and then start to execute that plan. And know that there are going to be naysayers. And when they occur, know that you're making progress and go, ah, good, I see that, I expected that, and... Hmm, that tells me I'm on track. Interesting how as we succeed, we don't ha- – not only do we have to deal with our own ego, but the ego of the people around us. And I think a lot of time it's not their ego, it's their fear that they're going to lose you or the control that they have with you as you succeed. You're exactly right. Fear is behind. Fear is ego's fuel. Love is true self's fuel. So when you're moving towards something that you want and away from something that you don't, you're still motivated to move in a direction. You know, uh, Tony Robbins puts it this way, you're either moving toward pleasure or away from pain. And as you are evaluating your life and then defining where you want to be relative to where you are, your motivation may be to avoid pain and therefore you're you're still moving you're still progressing or to or toward pleasure which is that future thing that you're moving toward as opposed to pain that you're moving away from either way you're motivated to move in that direction it's the same direction what you want it to be is the positive in other words i'm moving toward that that is my goal that is what i want as my outcome and there are going to be obstacles along the way. The naysayers are just one of those obstacles. There's going to be many others that are going to have much more uh, clout behind them than just words that are coming from your friends and family. There are going to be some practical things like, you know, you're denied the college application acceptance or the scholarship or the grant or 
the student loan or whatever your means was, and you've got to adjust and flex and change your plan a little bit and start to, you know, look at it from a different angle to still reach the goal. You know, I've got to I've got to get this income. What are my choices to do that? What adjustments do I need to make as I'm getting feedback, and 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 within the timing that is working for me. I mean, you got a senior in in high school. Um, he's going to graduate, and therefore, you know, next fall, you got college tuition, room and board fees, books to pay for. How are you going to do it in this next 12 months? And then just work backwards from there. If you project out, look at those expenses, and then move backwards. Okay, what's it going to take to fulfill those expenses? Private universities are like 50 grand a semester now. It's ridiculous. State colleges are maybe 15, and some in-house. Uh, univers- or in-state university tuitions are as low as maybe three to five, but then you've still got, you know, books and fees to pay for. They may live at home for a while and commute. That saves on room and board, you know, as an undergrad, and then you kind of build up from there. But look at what the cost is to begin with and then work backwards from there. You know, I've got, I've got 12 months to – and then fill in the blank. And know from a practical standpoint, you've got 12 months to pay the first semesters of tuition. Then you've got another semester to deal with the next semester. And so it's not like you're having to put together the 200 grand that it's going to cost you for college. And by the way, I'm not just saying that number. I mean, it could be 40000 to pay for college. Um, it depends on the, the, the university that you select. But you don't have to come up with it. You just have to come up with a plan for it. So if your first semester of costs for your senior in high school is $15,000, or your first year, let's say, is fifteen thousand dollars. You come out. You have to come up with the plan for the for year one. Then you have another year to get to the plan for year two, and then another year for year three, etc. And so it doesn't. It, it's got to be chunked down. Don't don't look at it in, the, in this overwhelming total of oh gee, I've got another kid in college and it's going to cost me another hundred grand. No, no, no. They can work a little bit. You can work a little bit. New income comes in. Things change in a couple of three years. Uh, you know, it's the it's the it's the time that is in your favor to put into place these answers, these solutions to that challenge, and they they'll roll out as needed. So right now you're going to need first semester, then you're going to need second semester, first year, second year, etc. And and how you get there um, is going to be part of this plan of action that'll get you there. You don't have to get to your total year one. You have to get to year one's tuition, books, fees, room and board year one. What does that look like? Well, can you add, you know, if you're making 80 to 100 grand and uh, you want to increase your income uh, 15% to pay for a kid in college, so suddenly now you're another 10 to 15,000 a year, if you were to increase your production 10 to 15%, would it yield you? 10 or 15% increase in income. It should. So 10 or 15 is a pretty manageable number. So you're not looking to increase it 100% to pay for the entire bit of 100 grand of college expenses. You're looking at just 10 or 15%, not jumping from 80 to 160 or 80 to 100 to 200. You're looking at netting an amount that will allow you in a combination of tuition, books, fees, room and board, offset by scholarships, grants, work study, student loans, and yes, college fund or, you know, additional income could be allocated to that. And and know that in the first year you need X to total that amount. In the second year you need X to total that amount, both on an income standpoint and, and having looked at it strategically from an expense standpoint. Chunking it down makes it much more manageable. It certainly quiets the monkey mind because now suddenly it's not that big number anymore and you're saying, no, I can do 15, I can do 20, I can do it these ways, boom, boom, boom. I can do it these ways over 12 to 15 months that I have between now and when the bill is due. I'm going to do it this way, this way, this way, this way, per month, per quarter, however you want to chunk it down. Per, per, Per year, yeah, but it's not per college total of 100 grand, let's say. That way, it quiets the monkey mind. You start to free up the positive thoughts and the and the solutions that will actually be the answer that you will then 
start to move into from an action plan standpoint. Excellent. Very good. Any other thoughts or comments on that that you want to talk about? Yeah, thanks for asking. Just just the broad general um, centering again on the power of words and especially thoughts are words in our head. Um, everything is energy. Even the physical, hard matter things that exist in the world are energy. They are a compilation of atoms and molecules that create matter that then become this physical item. Given that everything is energy, thoughts are in that category also because everything begins with the thought. Every every invention that's ever been on earth began with a thought. And so our thoughts are a form of energy. And know that as we perpetuate a positive energy, there is this increase that is the natural law that will happen. And so you get into this vortex of energy that feeds itself and therefore becomes more perpetuating. And that's what you want your positive thoughts to become. You want to diminish the negativity and increase the positivity in order to build this energy that starts to then feed on itself, so to speak. And pretty soon you see that those thoughts diminish more and more, and pretty soon that negative thought that that monkey mind had is quieted. And that's the general um, principle behind it that I wanted to kind of put a capstone on this whole conversation around is that there are practices that will allow that positive mind to speak more uh, the affirmations, the meditation, visualization, uh, all of the tools that we've talked about in this uh, broadcast that, that that bring on means by which you can have those thoughts become reality by way of encouragement through uh, things that are kind of self-feeding uh, or self-creating. Uh, and, and that's really the principle behind this this whole notion of of negative thoughts versus positive thoughts. Positive thoughts allow the law of attraction to work towards your success. I was going to say Absolutely. positively, but redundancy there. <laughs> Absolutely, right on. Very very good. So wrapping up this call. I know that you have a seminar going on this weekend, um, and I got that information by going to your website, which is www.successseriesllc.com and looking under the Upcoming Events tab. So Empowered Woman 101 this weekend in Kansas City, Missouri. Do you want to talk to us a little bit about what that is? Yes, this is a great workshop. It's a weekend uh, held over a uh, Friday, Saturday, uh, Sunday period of time. Um, Friday evening, it's three-hour module. Uh, Saturday, it's two three-hour modules, morning and afternoon, and then uh, Sunday morning module. Uh, Each of these kind of build on each other, and to its name, it's obviously – women only, that is, for the purpose of um, identifying, assessing, and therefore creating a strategic plan out of uh, where they are and where they want to be in life. And the participants uh, typically find themselves enthused, uh, creating great relationships out of it that uh, are uh, accountability partners and just uh, good friends, for life, um, the experience is um, uh, one of immersion into uh, principles that will uh, help the women see the empowerment that is already within them, the ability to create the life they want, um, overcoming many things that tend to be very uh, universal 
in for the gender of of uh childhood or young adult experiences uh that are carried into their adult life uh choices that they've made that really aren't theirs and they start to recognize that and do some reversals on and start to shift some things in their world to really create the life they want. Uh, they walk out of there with a strategic plan to do that that gives them uh, encouragement and uh, is in, in you know spoken in their language. Um, again, like I said, relationships that uh, would be sounding boards and friends for life uh, thereafter. Uh, it's a great workshop. Uh, a lot of intense uh, exercises that give an experiential uh, centering to really create some uh, uh, change, transformational change within their life in areas that they've chosen to. And um, and I'm looking forward to it. It's one of my favorite workshops to give. Excellent. Very good. And, again, that is coming up this weekend. Uh, if you guys want to see what else Tom has going on and coming up or if you would like to contact uh, Tom or ask a question for these calls, it is at his website. Once again, it is www.successseriesllc.com. And uh, I believe under the upcoming events you can – uh, see what is coming up, but sign up for his e-news updates as well as um, asking questions for these calls under the Contact Tom um, tab. Just fire away any question, and we would be happy to uh, ask those questions to Tom. Anybody who does write in and ask a question, uh, you will be given a special gift if we use your question on these calls. So once again, Tom, I want to thank you and everyone for attending today's teleconference. Um, thank you for sharing your time and wisdom with me, and particularly today, very helpful. Thank you very much. And want to remind everybody that these calls are generally on the last Monday of every month. Our next Talk with Tom call will be held on October 28th. Um, once again, if you have a question for the future uh, Talk with Tom calls, please email them or go to the website uh, and under the Contact Tom. If you want to just send an email, that would be Info, I-N-F-O, at successseriesllc.com. And once again, those questions we do use on the call will be given a special gift. And, Tom, last thoughts or words? Yeah, just wanted to say you are welcome and thank you for uh, hosting this event. Uh, these calls are uh, a great resource for a number of listeners as we get feedback uh, via email or phone call. Uh, we're encouraged that these are serving the purpose of uh, helping people transform their lives. Uh, I'm glad to do it. Look forward to the next call. Uh, and again, I'll end it with with the same uh, salutation that we always do, that life is a series of now. Grow your life now. Thanks, Aaron. All right. Thank you, Tom. Have a great weekend this uh, weekend with your Empowered Woman 101. Thanks, Aaron. Bye, all.